Welcome to the Very Good Real Estate Podcast with your host, Derwin Kinston. Think real estate is only for the rich? Think again. Don't know diddly squat about real estate? Even better. Not in line to receive a trust fund? Neither did our guests. Sounds like this podcast is for you. We interview guests that started out just like you. Come learn, build, and grow with the Very Good Real Estate Podcast. All right, I got my boy Robert Grooms. He's sitting in the podcast with me. I, I think, Rob, we've What's known up? each other since, I think I think we first met in seventh grade. Yeah, standing in the <laughs> wild. Line, I remember. So, <laughs> oh, go ahead. No, I'm mean, just man. Like it's it's been a we've known each other uh, for a very long time, and we've literally seen each other grow through different stages of life and career, and just the maturation process, the growth process. It's always interesting how our how uh, our conversation has changed. That's for sure. And we're basically gonna have the conversation what we've been having probably for like the last ten years about real estate, and we're just kind of just share it with even if it's one person, who knows. Um, but again, we've been surprised before how things look. Mm-hmm. So um, if you could kind of just tell us what your background in education is, why you want to get in real estate, and then I'll just kind of lead the charge from there. Yeah, so uh, I am, uh, my background is in architecture. I'm a licensed architect. I've practiced as an architect for about seven years now. Um, I went to school, uh, University of Virginia, to study architecture. Uh, and then I, uh, after I graduated in 2013, you know, I was wide-eyed, ready to jump into the world of architecture, and you know, I, 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 I thought I wanted to be this, uh, you know, architect. Like I didn't have any aspirations of entrepreneurship. I just wanted to, you know, design. And even, even like way early in my architecture education, I thought that the I- ideal job for me would be someone who's just designing Ryan homes, you know, like the home builders, just being a home builder designer. Um, And so I graduated 2013, uh, expecting to jump in and get a job and, you know, just kind of thrive like all of my counterparts. And uh, that did not happen. Then I, I proceeded into the most difficult professionally two, three years of my, of my life. Uh, You know, I, I, First job out of undergrad with a degree in architecture was uh, packing boxes in the back of a UPS truck at three o'clock in the morning. Um, and so from, you know, and, and I was probably at that time submitting. During that time, span, I probably had to submit 70 to eight to, to 100 applications. And it was all no it was all, you know, I, I never, I got close on one, but, you know, it was just disappointment after disappointment. And, you know, the, the best job that I was really able to get, I moved up from packing boxes in, in the back of UPS truck to stocking shelves at Michael's to getting temp job after temp job after temp job. Um, and during that process, man, I, I, you know, I knew I wanted to go back to school because to get, be a licensed architect, I have to, I needed to get a graduate degree. And I, I really just had a moment of trying to figure out what I was going to do with my career. And I wasn't quite sure, but the one thing I knew that I wanted was to be able to take my opportunity into my own hands and um, not allow 
other circumstances to have uh, their thumbprint on where my career direction go, if I have work and, and et cetera. And uh, so I, I came across a book called Real Estate is the Gold to Your Future, uh, which a friend of mine had passed down to me. And, and you know, reading through that, it just kind of clicked that like, you know, I think this is something that will give me that opportunity. And, and, and I, because I'm an architect, I thought that way, it'd be a great opportunity for me to be able to own my own product and be my own client. And that way I can ensure that I can always feed myself to eat. And so from there, I started looking into grad programs that really focused on um, or that would allow me to get a degree in architecture and a degree in real estate development or some type of real estate development knowledge. And uh, lo and behold, uh, right in my back door, uh, University of Maryland actually had a dual degree program in, in architecture and real estate development. And it was actually within the School of Architecture. The real estate development program was in the School of Architecture as opposed to the business school like it would be in some other institutions. So I was like, man, this this is actually exactly what I want. So I graduated from University of Maryland, dual degree in architecture and real estate development, uh, practiced as an architect for about six years, got my license uh, before I, uh, last year of, of 2022, November of 2022, I, I made the jump to a uh, becoming a full-time real estate developer for a developer out of D.C. And um, nice. that's kind of, you know, where I started and, and, and where I am now. So I remember, I don't know, five, seven years ago, you started calling me, asking me questions about real estate. You'd be like, D, why did you do that? Or what are you thinking on this? And I, I'm curious. So after you read the book, I know that you're planning to start buying your first house. And this is before you even got married, I think. What were you doing in preparation in those seven? And again, it's about five, seven years. I don't remember the exact year, but what were you doing to prepare yourself to buy real estate versus, and then also add in there, what did you think you had to do to buy real estate? So interesting enough, you know, right around the time I was reading that book, I had also visited you in Richmond. Mm -hmm. You were showing me your first property that you I had a great time with you too that day. I remember that. Um, and you were, <laughs> yeah, I remember it was it was a great time. And 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 you were telling me your plans of, you know, I, I I'm, this is my your first property, and you you were in the process of looking at trying to buy a second one so that you can rent that out. And you were just telling me how how you were able to make it happen and. You know, uh, you know, we joked on you at the time, but you know, throughout, you know, when we would see when we would see each other throughout uh, undergrad, you know, you'd be driving the same busted up Mustang. Uh, <laughs> you was, but you was living as minimally as you can because you were, you know, you was getting your stipend from the from the uh, from mm -hmm. the military, and and you were living as minimally as you can, and that had a direct impact on how you were able to graduate jump into your own property and, and, and kind of really set yourself up for, you know, future success. And I remember being there like, man, I, I, I didn't have, I didn't do any of that preparation. Um, and so to be completely honest with you, most of my, my preparation came from gaining knowledge because it's not like that, you know, I, I, I told you what kind mm -hmm. of jobs I had. So it's not like I can really put money away. But what I could do is I could collect knowledge. And I knew that 
in order to reach the ultimate end goal, uh, you know, an, an architect and developer, I had to first become an I had to first become an architect. I had to get through the education. I had to get through the process of 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 going through the exams and 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 all that process that's required for me to get licensed. And so a lot of my preparation was just really educating myself and 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 also um, kind of just jumping into uh, not only the technical parts of like real estate development and understanding some of the more nuance of it, but just kind of um, reading multiple people's stories, listening to multiple podcasts, just understanding the full breadth of, of different individuals and how they land into the world of, of real estate. Wow. So as you got, obviously, as you fell into your career, you were making more money. Once you start realizing, oh, wow, I'm actually putting some money away in my first adult job. With the knowledge that you're collecting, the conversations that you're having with me and your other friends and blog posts that you're reading. As you're collecting real money, what, what were you doing after that? Yeah. So even though I got my, you know, after I graduated undergrad, uh, grad school and I got my first job in an architect's office, I wasn't really even mm-hmm. making that much money. I was making uh, 47 Mm $47,500, right? A year annually. That's not a lot. Um, um, However, I got, you know, I got married uh, right after grad school as well. Me and my my wife, we had been dating since undergrad. And she actually is a dentist. So she graduated making double, triple what I was making, right? Right. Um, and, and, and the interesting thing is I had an, uh, I, I met, uh, so there was another mm-hmm. book that I, I had read during that time where it was extremely difficult for me. Um, it was the crisis of the African-American architect. Um, and I actually, um, uh, it was the, the architect who wrote the book, his name is Melvin Mitchell. And I, I, I ended up attending a conference that, uh, he was at and, um, I, you know, I read his book and he had a very profound impact on, on kind of how I, um, how I understood myself as an architect, as, especially as a black mm-hmm. architect and what my role is. And so, I, you know, I wanted to meet him and I didn't have the opportunity to meet him uh, just, just because of the things that were going on. So I, I, I went on his, I found his website and I sent a, a cold email to him. I wasn't even sure it would go through because he had an overwhelming <laughs> Uh, but sure, but sure enough, uh, he responded back, and you know he invited me. He invited me over to his house, and I wait. You lived in Baltimore, him. and one of the things that he told me. No, he actually he lived. Get in out of here! That's Park, wild. All right, continue. I'm sorry. That's wild. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, he one of the things that he said to me is that you know him being an architect, he said that his wife was a researcher which also meant that his wife had a, a very good income um, that was a, and he said that that allowed him to have, to take more risk and be more entrepreneurial with his career because his wife made a really good living. And I was like, huh, that's a really good idea because that's the same boat that I am. I'm in. Um, and so that, was something that kind of started to churn the entrepreneurial aspiration 
within me. Um, and then at, at that same time, again, me, you know, me and my wife were living in Baltimore at the time. Um, we're only paying at that time, we're only paying probably like $1,200 mm-hmm. in rent. So we had really good rent living downtown. We had one car um, and the car was paid off. And, and, and so like our expenses were really low. So we were putting away mm-hmm. tons of money. Um, and, you know, we, we were, we, we were one, just kind of putting it away to just, um, to just, you know, have money saved up. And then as we were putting it away, we we're like, huh, this might be, you know, let's keep putting mm-hmm. this kind of money away because maybe we can actually get our, our first home and we at the time we were thinking it was just gonna yeah. be a home for us like get us a nice rural home in baltimore you know kind of set ourselves up um but then at that time this was right around 2019 2020 and then you know what happened in 2020 yeah the, the pandemic happened right and so once the pandemic happened that kind of altered our plans and I had I had looked at the uh, and uh, and I looked at the money that we had sort of set aside, and I kind of turned to my wife and said, "Hey, why don't we instead of getting us a uh, a proper home for ourselves, why don't we actually get a rental okay. property? Like, this might be a good this might be a good opportunity. Like, we don't have any kids. We we don't necessarily at that time we weren't planning on starting a family for a couple <clears> of years, like." We we don't need that. We don't. We can. We're we're fine in this one bedroom apartment. Let's try to let's 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 try to do something, and so uh, that's what we did. We had maybe about I don't know thirty thousand dollars saved up, and uh, we you know we were mm-hmm. looking for opportunities for real estate uh, investment, and um, you know we would have loved to have been in the Baltimore market, but we we also understood that it was it might have been a little bit too expensive for us to jump in and to. So, wait, so can I pause we, you right we started there? looking at so, opportunities. Well, can where I pause can you real quick? We... So basically, what you're yeah. saying is is that you you looked at what your current situation was and says, "Okay, I'm not going to let the price of Baltimore scare me. I'll just find a, a city that works around my budget." Correct. Yeah, we very reactive and and proactive at the same yeah. time. Right. 2020 happened. COVID happened. Everything shut down. But like the real estate industry was still churning, so we wanted to be proactive and take advantage of that. Uh, and Baltimore was a little too pri- uh, pricey for us. So my wife, uh, she's from Lynchburg, Virginia, and so I'm like, hmm, why don't just see what's in Lynchburg, right? I, and I didn't know too much about Lynchburg other than kind of me visiting there to visit my wife's family. But I knew that it had a lot of uh, schools there, Liberty University being the biggest one, and it had several private schools as well. So that to me was always a good indication that there's a healthy economy there, a healthy localized economy there, especially uh, in the rental market. If you're, if you're thinking about, you know, renters that have uh, available income, private institutions, most likely it's their parents that's going to be paying their, uh, their, their, their rent anyway. Uh, so that's what we did. Just kind of started looking on there Um uh, came across. Uh, my wife also knew one of her former uh, principals was also a uh, a real estate um, um, agent, and so that was another sort of trusted resource that we could do. And and uh, that's ultimately what we did. We found a, a property in Baltimore, or sorry, in uh, Lynchburg that we that we took on, and um, we kind of went through a couple of sort of phases in, in like trying to figure identify the type of property. You know, at one point we wanted to get a 
property that needed a full renovation that was really kind of just one of those nasty, ugly properties and try to maybe get some hard money loan, uh, hard money uh, lenders involved so that we can kind of um, uh, get the property for cheap, fix it up and then refinance it and get cash out of it. Um, but just because that the, the, it, it, it involved right. a lot of 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 risk that I wasn't comfortable with, especially because I couldn't necessarily be there to oversee uh, the the whole renovation process. And, and Lynchburg is a little strange city in terms of like its workforce. Where, from what I had learned, it's not it's hard to go out and get a general contractor who's going to handle everything. Um, and and especially because. At that time, the 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 the, in, the market was just churning so fast that contractors could be selective on the type of projects that they could take on because they were in high demand. So I, you know, I had a hard time. This one, you know, one little uh, guy who wanted to jump into real estate, don't really have no experience, uh, first project. Uh, why is a contractor going to take on my work? So I, you know. From what I from what I had learned, like it, it would have been better for me to sort of act as the GC and hire a bunch of subs, but I wasn't there and I couldn't do that. So we pivot to another strategy of well, what if we buy a project that is rentable in its current condition, but had enough room for us to make improvements when we're ready, so that we can at least get a property, get tenants moved in, get some cash flow moving in allow the property to benefit from just the, uh, the, the the appreciation that the market is going through anyway. And then we take that time to gather ourselves, make the necessary contacts that we need to. So then at the time when we're ready, we can renovate this project and, and then kind of go into the, the process that we wanted. To. Uh, no, that's totally makes sense to me. And I remember you calling me kind of walking me through your process and, I remember us having several conversations throughout those those couple months. So how much, what did you guys end up buying? A single family duplex, how much did you buy it for? How much work did it need? What issues did you go through with the contract? Um, and what would you have done over? Yeah, so uh, we ended up buying a single family home. Um, it was a single family home. It was two bedrooms, one bath. Uh, it was a, it, it's in a, uh, uh, historic mm -hmm. neighborhood, but this project is not. Ne this building was not necessarily historically contributing, which I like because uh, you get the you get the benefit of it having historic features <clears throat> and you know nice uh, historic uh, home. But you don't have the uh, the the stringent um, mm -hmm. requirements by it being a historically contributing structure. Um, it at, at the time uh, the the. The price of the house was probably about, if I'm remembering correctly, maybe been about like ninety five thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and uh, it was surprising because I had I had been on the MLS and I was just kind of doing a whole bunch of looking day in and day out. Not and, and the way that I analyze property, I had built myself a, a performa, and, and and essentially what a performa is is just a business plan for a real estate investment. Um, I run a whole. I ran a whole bunch of um, you know calculations in terms of if I put down X, and uh, if I put down X, 
the property can rent for a while. Like, what's my my return on my investment? And then even doing some future anal, 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 analysis of uh, if I put down X and I know that I want to renovate it in the next year, how much can I put into it so that I'm getting you know the 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 best return based off of um, what the after repair value could be based off of what the market is. So I, you know, I had a whole lot of yeah. sophisticated analysis that probably wasn't needed <laughs> for a, a project this small, but that's just, that, that was just because, you know, I was trained in real estate development from, uh, a, a, a an institution <laughs> that taught yeah. commercial real estate. So I, I, that's just, that was just how I could fundamentally yeah. understand it. Um, so, so you know that that the house probably about ninety five thousand dollars. I was on MLS all the time, and this house just kind of popped up. And I'm like, huh, I hadn't seen this before. So I jumped on it with my my, uh, my agent, and he contacted the seller's agent. And what ended up, the story behind it actually was that um, the house was off market because there was already a contract on it, and this person who had a contract on it was getting an FHA loan. And, you know, days before they were supposed to close, for whatever reason, this person wasn't qualified no more. So the, the sellers had already went through the process of having the inspection, the appraisal, they made repairs and everything. And then at the last moment, the, the deal falls through. So they were also in a situation where they were just kind of desperate. They were just ready to get this pro- project off of their hands. And that's also another an opportunity for me that I saw. Like, huh, they're a little bit of a desperate seller. All right, let me knock like twenty thousand dollars off the asking price, and that's and that's what we went back through to, and they ended up um, we ended up settling at eighty thousand. <coughs> so you were how much uh, did the house, this, how much the the house appraised for, Rob? The house actually appraised for ninety something. So you were able to capture. And we got it. Yeah. For. So you were able to capture basically fifteen to yeah, twenty thousand dollars. So you were able to capture ten. Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in equity, just off of you recognizing that there was a gap in the market, the se- the seller was desperate, and you were able to sweep in there and kind of piggyback off of that and capture equity for you and your family. Cor- correct. And um, the the one thing that we did do is that we just agreed to accept the 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 uh, we agreed to accept the previous inspections that mm-hmm. was done. And the repairs that was already made. So we were basically accepting it as is. And I mean, I did my due diligence. I read through mm-hmm. the inspection report. I read through all of that. Um, got I, I still got an appraisal. Um, and so, I mean, it, it, it was to me, it was a solid deal. And like you said, because the sellers were desperate at the moment, we capitalized off of that. And we were able to basically buy the property even though we had to put down yeah. 20% because we got a commercial loan, we had to put down 20%, but we probably were 35% uh, had 35% equity in it just based off of. The so I think that's really important that I want people to understand because very often in real estate, you know, you always, particularly during the, the height of COVID people are, I'll spend 40% more than the house is worth, but that's not where money is made. Money is made. When you find desperate mm-hmm. situations, or you see a gap in the market, or you see an under um, an underappreciated property that the market just isn't realizing there's value there, because that's I know as an investor, that's where I've made my money, and it sounds like that's where you and your wife literally just swooped in at the right time, right place, and realized, oh, you need to sell, you need a buyer, 
and they took a huge discount for you guys to sweep in and and you know the people that at least I want this podcast to uh, to go to is I want them to realize that a you're you know, you don't have to be a millionaire to be in real estate you can have a very you know a slender mm-hmm. budget but if you're finding things that other people don't want and you can make money off that you can still become a millionaire finding your w's right there so that's really why I, and I appreciate you explaining that. How did, how was the financing? Um, how did you go with the commercial lender? How did you know about that? Because it took me a couple of years to figure I'm actually embarrassed. It took me a minute to figure that out. Um, um, how did that finance? Yeah. Like, where did you know to go to a, how did you know to go to a commercial lender? How did you uh, narrow your choice down to that particular yeah. lender? What were the, what were the terms offered? Kind of go, uh, go into those details for me. Yeah, so um, I knew I wanted a commercial lender from the jump, and that's also because I understood what my end goal was going to be. Like, I, me and my wife had already talked about it. We already said that we wanted to uh, one, you know, create a separate business entity that we can run our real estate transactions to, because it's going to be something that fuels our family's Mm -hmm. uh, opportunity for generational wealth and something for our children to benefit off of. So we knew that we wanted to treat real estate investing as a business, not as a hobby. Um, So we already had that uh, in in that understanding. And so with that understanding, we also knew that we don't, because we still want to get a personal home for ourselves. And, you know, when you get the traditional mortgage 30 year fix, you know, through traditionally, um, and, and you take it on under your own personal name. There's only so many mortgages that you can have under your own name. And I didn't want our real estate investing to sort of affect what we could actually do for ourselves, mm-hmm. family-wise. And so um, that identified the opportunity for us to get How a commercial loan. How did you learn about loan? what a commercial because loan was? the commercial loan. Yeah, so bef- way before, way before the pandemic happened, way before... Uh, me and my wife decided to uh, invest in a, a, a property ourselves. You know, I was actually running deals as often as I could, and I at the at that time these deals were figment like they were made up deals, but they were real properties. They was made up deals. I was just kind of running numbers, right? Uh, but I was also reading and understanding the financing process. And just through podcasts and reading books and, and, and different uh, articles and things, you know, I, I, I learned about commercial lending and some of the benefits of a commercial lending. You know, one, you can actually put the, um, the, 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 the mortgage in an LLC's name, which you can't do if you go with And why is that route. important? Um, and then two, uh, so that is important. So, you know, a lot of people think that... Um, the, the benefit in doing that is like there's a lot of uh, tax mm-hmm. savings that you'll get. You, it's, it, you don't really, there's not really a lot of tax savings that come. Me and my wife still pay tax. I, I, like, I <laughs> still pay tax. Like you don't get a lot of tax savings because, because what, 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 what we had to find out is that, that, that the, that's a uh, passive income and the loss that you get from passive income can only be extracted from passive income gained. So it doesn't take away from your personal income, your personal tax liability. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from that. But the benefit of, 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 of 
of having it in an LLC is that there's some uh, um, you're sort of able to shield yourself from one liability, and then you can also become a little bit anonymous, especially if you're going to be managing the property yourself. So, you know, you look up in the city of Lynchburg, the property is in. You look up our mortgage. The property is in AR Legacy LLC. It's not in Robert and Alicia's name, um, and, and so that was the real benefit right. to to be able to not have the mortgage personally in our name. And so, yeah. funny story too. When we'll, we get to it, when we got our when we got our own personal house, um, and we were going through the lending process, that kind of ended up becoming an issue somehow. And then you know I was. We we got our uh, our uh, mortgage through Truist yeah. for our personal home, and you know I was always upfront with like we have another property and X Y and Z, so it wasn't nothing that was hidden. But whenever the uh, whatever credit agency that they use to run the credit report on us, I don't know. I guess they were doing some deep web <laughs> yeah. credit search. I get a call saying like, "Hey, we found out that you have another mortgage, but like it's not in your own name. Like it's not showing up on your own credit report." I'm like, well, it's 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 name, so yeah. But but that but that's that's the benefit. Like we don't have to carry it yeah. under our own personal credit history. Good stuff. And when you once you guys part, um, go ahead, keep yeah. going. Is there anything else you need to add to that? Okay. No, no, so no, once no, you, no. Okay, so you we talked about the LLC, you identified a property, you close on the property, which is fantastic. And earlier you talked about how you knew you wanted to do a little bit of work to kind of create more equity within your property. Mm-hmm. Tell me, because I remember, I remember what you'd call me like, you'd be like, Dave. Oh, <laughs> I remember there was a couple issues going on with the person you initially hired. So kind of go into that, but give me the game plan of explain to the audience why you bought a house that needed a little bit of work and why that's important for what you were trying to do and what that does for your family wealth. Yeah. Yeah. So buying a house that needed some work to it, um, it allows us to basically force appreciation into the home. You know, normally uh, a house appreciates over time, you know, as there's our adjustments in the market, um, there's that natural appreciation that the house is going to uh, accumulate. But you can, when, when you buy a house that is undervalued and like, you know, simple things from you upgrading the kitchen to upgrading the bathroom to, you know, modernizing the house in a way that gives you an opportunity to force appreciation into the home because you're buying a home right now that is below the market standard and you make some um, improvements to it. So now you're bringing it up to the market standard and it's forcing appreciation into the home. So that's something that we wanted to do because our, our end game with this is that we're not making any money off of the home that that we're not making any kind of money off of the home that me and my wife can add to our own personal income the, the home isn't making us money in that way this is a long term thing and and so for us what's important is not necessarily cash flow it's appreciation um and you know eventually you, we want to be able to accumulate enough homes that have enough value in them so that we can take, say, yeah. five single-family homes. And then we can trade that in for 
an apartment mm-hmm. building because you know then then that's where you start that's where you start getting the real yeah. cash flow that's where you start getting money that you can start putting into your pocket uh every so often um but for us at the moment with our strategy uh, uh equity is the most important thing wonderful and what did you what did you guys end up doing to the house yeah so one thing that I did yeah. forget to mention, um, the the reason why that so uh, choosing our lender was also a very important process because they helped us, um, they they helped us in a way to sort of finance the the next stage of of, of like the yeah, things so. we want to do, and so I, I so I was very particular. I, I did want to go. I wanted to find a small regional bank. And I wanted to also find a, a small regional bank that one can can uh, that would allow me to, to have a commercial mm-hmm. mortgage, but two, I wanted to find a, a regional bank that was a portfolio lender. And uh, uh, what a portfolio lender is is that you know normally you go to Bank of America, you go to Truist, they get the mortgage, and usually what they do is they ended up they end up reselling your mortgage on the market, and you know next thing and, and, and that's just kind of mm-hmm. what happens, right? But when you when you ha- when you have a portfolio lender, what they do is they actually keep those they'll keep that loan on their own personal books, um, and and so the reason that that's important is because at that moment they can have a lot more flexibility on the loan package that they can deliver to you because they don't have to uh, adhere to like Fannie Mae standards or, or what have you, because they're not going to resell the loan on the aftermarket. They're going to keep it on their books. And so um, I was able to to get a, a portfolio lender. And then at that point, you know, me and my um, my lender, now we have a, a relationship because I, you know, I understood, I, I explained to him what our goals was and he, you know, um, let me know where he can help me at. And, and so our actual our, our our closing process was very easy, very easy, much easier than it did to. It is it, commercial lender is way easier, um, isn't it, Rob? It's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. I try to tell my it, friends that all the it, time, and they're like, couple... "What do you mean it's easier?" I'm like, they're not asking for all the nonsense you had to get them. So I, I, I second that no. three thousand percent. Yeah, you send a couple of W twos. You send a couple, like, it, like it, literally. I was on the phone after I sent the information to him. He looked at it. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me hit him with this, and you know, it's like, yeah. But man, let you let you try to get your a, a, a traditional loan, bro. It is, it is a. They ask you for blood. They want the name um, of your firstborn child. You be like. What you mean? I said I got. I don't. Yeah. Their houses, they, they didn't ask for that. They're like, well, actually, we need. We're like, all right, you know what? I'm good. I don't even. I'll just move into one of those other houses. I'm good. So I, I feel you. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and and so um, I had explained yeah. to him from the jump what we kind of wanted to do, and 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 so as we closed on our first uh, our first uh, mortgage with the home, you know, the home we, we we rented out to two renters that ended up being yeah. awful, terrible renters, and I can tell you about that later. Uh, but as we were nearing around that 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 second term or that that first end of our first year, I, I reached out to him and I, and basically was like, hey, I I I don't know if there's something like this that you offer, but I, I kind of I, you know I know that the homes appreciated in value a little bit, and I, I kind of want to tap into 
not only the equity of the home that it currently has, but I want to tap into the um, the future equity of the home after those improvements are made. Is there some type of financial package that you could put together for me with that? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we can, we can look into that. And, and I think I even told you about it and you, you let me know like, huh, I didn't, I didn't realize this is something that a bank could do. And and he, and and I had, when I I actually told my lender that he was like, yeah, you know, with our, we have the flexibility, especially because again, they're a portfolio lender. So they have, he has the flexibility to craft a, um, craft a, a loan package to benefit me for exactly what I was trying to, to do. So so basically what, what we did is we, we we laid out all the improvements that we want to make. We want to do a, we want to refinish the roof because we have a, a metal roof. So we want to refinish the roof. We want to upgrade mm-hmm. the kitchen. We want to do some flooring improvements. We want to upgrade the bathroom. We want to add a washer and dryer. And so we looked at all of that. Uh, we got an appraisal for what the home would be worth once those improvements are made mm-hmm. and then based off of that appraisal we could borrow up to um you know 80 what was that, that number how much were you guys able to what, uh, what did uh, the house if you what were uh what did the house appraise for and how much did you guys borrow to uh, update your house yes so the house appraised for like a hundred and thirty five thousand dollars at that after market after and that was the potential or, or, once you told ARV, the bank what right? you could do they estimated that the house and correct, keep in mind correct. that you bought the house for eighty thousand dollars correct we already put down twenty yeah. percent of that uh and then we also had additional equity into that and so um we ended up we ended up borrowing, I think it was like Mm $35,000 to, to do improvements to the home. And so we essentially, we essentially sort of refinanced the loan, but we, it was more like we took out a home equity loan. We we, we took out a new, it wasn't a home equity loan. It was basically a new mortgage. So it's more, more so like a refinance. And we, we, we got those funds and, um, you know, we, that's what we did. We, uh, improved the kitchen um we fixed some kind of like uh you know there you know a little bit of like structural concerns like the floor was sagging in a little bit of places um and we upgraded some uh of the bathroom a lot of tile work uh floor work you know new vanity and added a a wash and dryer closet because our, our our house did have like washer and dryer hookups in the kitchen but you know for $800, $800, we can add, you know, we can buy a new washer and dryer from, from Lowe's and uh, add it, add a washer and dryer closet. And the next thing you know, that that's a, that's a, an amenity, yeah. essentially, uh, that, 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 that the, that the uh, home now offers. Um, and so that's, you know, that, that's what we did. We also refinished the yeah. roof as well, metal roof. We refinished it um, and did some work on the deck. Um, so not a lot of work, mostly, mostly. So cosmetic. once you finished it, did you have to reappraise the house? Uh, okay. no, we didn't reappraise the house. Um, um, but, um, yeah, we didn't reappraise the house, but I mean, we, so yeah, we, we, but we did go through that, uh, uh that reappraisal process when we were getting the approved and, for the second. And loan. you said it appraised for 135, right? So uh, you yeah, bought it correct. for eighty. You spent thirty five thousand. So basically, you're at what one fifteen, give or take. And you're so 
you have mm-hmm. basically what about twenty thousand dollars in equity. What's your mortgage on? What was that your mortgage after you rehab the house? So that mortgage is about six hundred dollars. Six hundred. What do you guys rent change. the house for? We rent the house for uh, eleven hundred a month. My guy, that's beautiful. Yeah, and well, then yeah. that's yeah, amazing. So, I mean, that's but that's how you create wealth right there. That's how you create money. I mean, you're not you just did a couple of things, and now you're basically double, more or less. I mean, granted, I know you have a property manager, um, but you're you're essentially doubling your mm-hmm. money, which isn't that's the exact experience that you really want. Um, how hard was it to get the house rehab? Because I know that you had some issues with the contractor and things like that. Yeah, it was extremely hard, um, especially because um, I had no knowledge on actually how to do this. Obviously, you know, I had accumulated some uh, knowledge just by you know reading books and listening to podcasts and listening to other people that do it, but you really don't know how to do it. Like the best experience is experience. (laughs) So I was just like, there was a lot of mistakes that I made along the way. I mean, we, we had a handyman that we found that was really good when we first purchased the property that did some work for us and, and did some ongoing work for us. And, um, you know, I had, I was talking to him one day and, you know, cause he, he, part of his business was he did a lot of like kitchen renovations and, you know, so I, I, I had a conversation with him to ask that, you know, if this was something that he can do. He's like, oh, yeah, I can I can do the work. Um, and, you know, again, I was I was satisfied with the work that he did in the handyman capacity. Did great work, left the clean job site, was always honest and everything like that. Um, so I assumed that that would translate over into him doing a full interior renovation for us. Um, and, and that was, I think my biggest mistake, um, not to say that he did an awful job, but he was a one man shop and he brought on help as he needed, but because he was a one man shop and, and, and it, you know, nothing ever goes mm-hmm. to his plan in the renovation, even though what we thought was a very simple renovation it ended up being problems. Like there was you know, we had to be, if we wanted to put in the wash and dryer in this little uh, coat closet that we was converting into a, a laundry closet, um, it was underneath the stairs. So that meant that the main the main duct that went into the HVAC unit that was in the cellar, that had to be shifted. So that, you know, there was, you know, little problems that would occur. And, and so, and I mean, he was doing everything. He was doing the kitchen, the bathroom. Uh, we had a, a, a retaining wall rebuilt because it was just kind of corroding in the front yard. So we had a retaining wall rebuilt. He was refinishing the the roof because he, he used to work as a roofer. So he, he knew how to refinish the roof. And it just ended up being such a, I think, a big job on him that towards the end, I think some things got a little sloppy. Um, and again, I think I made some mistakes too, right? Like one thing for that I, you know, I chose all of the finishes. And you know, I was thinking that, hey, you know, the 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 square footage of what we're renovating is kind of like small, and I was always tracking sort of our our numbers on it, like a per square footage value. So there were some things that I was willing to expend spend a little bit extra on, right? 
uh, where like I, the backsplash in the in the kitchen, I, I got a little bit of a fancier backsplash. Hindsight, I probably should have just did regular standard subway towel because this end like he this if you if you weren't a skilled craftsman, I guess this was a much more difficult backsplash yeah. to put in. So there were some things that was a little sloppy, um, and then at the end of the project. When there was like a few things that still needed to be tightened up, or you know, hey, you didn't quite do this right. Can you go back and fix it? He he went ghost on me. I th- so I, and I think he was just t- tired of the project, tired of you know the fact that this was I think a little bit yeah. overwhelming for him. He went absolutely ghost on me. Um, but you know, you, you yeah. live and you learn, and and, and, and I'm. With the experience that I have now, especially what I do in yeah. my normal day job, I am because this is I, what I tried to do back then is what I do yeah. every day now, and so I, I'm fully much more capable and prepared for like the next project. What would you do. have done differently? Would you have hired like a legit contractor? Like what, what what would you have done to kind of mitigate some of these things that you dealt with during your your rehab? Yeah. I think I would have acted more of as a GC, my own GC. So instead of trusting one contractor who I had a relationship with, I would have got, I would have, I would have walked through someone who just does the subway towel. I would have walked through someone who's just going to do the kitchen. I would walk through someone who's just going to do the roof. I would get and get multiple bids on them so that I could really not only get mm-hmm. the best price, but I can get the best workmanship. I put all my eggs in one basket, and I think that uh, in my in my desire to kind of be safe and and keep it low risk, because I assumed that I had a relationship with this person that you know it was going to be yeah. a good process. You know, put, putting all my eggs in one basket kind of really hurt me on the uh, on the tail end. Yeah, of it. Well, I, listen, I've been there too. I've, I'm having issues now. <laughs> but anyways, we'll get into that yeah. later at another episode. So you finished the house. You've captured about $20,000 in equity. The decision to how you're going to rent out the house. You and your lovely wife mm-hmm. decide, okay, we're going to manage this process ourselves. Tell me how that process went. You don't have to get into every detail. But just tell me about how yeah. treacherous it was and then how you ended up going with a professional property management company tell me what they're charging you and kind of just go from there so funny at, at the very beginning i wanted to get a property manager from the very beginning because um although i love real estate investing i don't like having to deal with people <laughs> which is what real estate is uh, right and then i don't i don't mean well, you know, I don't mean yeah. that in a negative way. Like, I don't want to have to, you know, chase people around for rent being due every month. I don't want to have to necessarily respond to, uh, uh, you know, hey, the the, the, the toilet isn't yeah. working. Um, you know, I, I don't want to have to respond to that. But my wife, you know, you know, I love my wife. <laughs> But you know, she was like, "No." She was like, "She was like, no." Let's keep all the money. You know, let's let's why pay for some? Why pay, have someone pay for a service that we can do ourselves? I'm like, okay, if that's what you want to do, I have no problems with yeah. that. But and I was like, but I, I want you to like take the lead on that. So my wife and, and she really did. She she got in the lab herself, learned all about yeah. property managing, put a lot of the protocols in place because you know the idea was that. 
you know, we could essentially build up a, 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 a you know, a, a protocol of what to do from mm-hmm. the vetting process to, you know, if a, if a, if a tenant acts for X, Y, and Z, we have protocols of how to do it. Like she put all of that into place. Um, and she really took the lead on that and she did a great job. I, I mean, she really did a fantastic job. I think the one thing that we found difficult is, and the most important thing in managing a property is that you got to find yeah. the right tenant. Like the right tenant can make or break the experience. And because we were also remote, we were living in Baltimore and we were, you know, our property was four hours away. You know, we were limited to, to showing the property just on the weekends. Um, and, and so we probably lost a lot of good quality candidates who, you know, wanted to see the property on a Wednesday, but and couldn't wait till a Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, so there, the, that was something that we kind of didn't really anticipate. Um, and then, you know, so with the first tenant, I actually uh, blame our uh, insurance company because they put us in a really tough position because we were making, you know, we bought the property. Obviously, when we bought it at first, we part of our agreement to get the price that we did is that we're, we're going to accept all of the previously improvements and inspections that was made. When we get the property, there we still had to put about, I want to say maybe about $1,200 into getting things fixed up to make it rent ready. And so, you know, that's how we came across our handyman. Um, and, and so that took a while. That took maybe about, you know, three weeks or so to get done. And at the time, our, 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 our insurance company made a surprise visit to the home and said, hey, we noticed that this home is still vacant. So we're going to give you guys uh, we're, we're going to give you guys essentially two, three weeks to put somebody in the home or we're going to we're going to drop your coverage. And so, you know, we were already going through the process of like mm-hmm. vetting tenants and stuff through th- anyway. But because the 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 insurance company put this time limit on us, it's like, oh, we, we got to get someone in here now. So we were kind of forced to accept a tenant who looked qualified mm-hmm. on paper. But if you was to really sort of dig into to their rental history, which they had none, they had good. They met the credit qualifications, but that's only because they were a very young yeah. couple. They didn't have a lot of credit history. Um, you know, they were they 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 met the income qualifications. But if we probably would have made some, like they they met the they met everything on paper, and because we were in a bind, we didn't go. We didn't follow through the other due diligence that we should have, and 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 also they were yeah. they were ready to move in. So we we kind of bit the bullet and we got tenants in the home, and <laughs> within they made they made a payment on time and an after colossal that it a, chaos. Uh, <laughs> it was down. It, it was downhill from there. The one thing I'll add is the the one thing I've it, learned it, about it, tenants is this. I, I actually this place. I actually had a young uh, students rent it and they didn't have, they had very low credit score, but it was because they were young. I think they were like 19 or 20 years old. However, I decided to rent to them because anytime I asked him for a document, I asked him to pay or did anything during that process. They did everything on time. They responded quickly and they did everything. But the one thing that I want to stress to listeners is this. If someone was giving you nonsense in the beginning it will be that times 10 when you get them in the house. Mm-hmm. So when you see stuff that 
is bad on the beginning, Absolutely. do not rent to them. I literally, I was in the process of selling this house. I had it for sale and for rent. And I was like, I don't care. I told my property manager, I said, I don't care what you do. Get someone in here or it's or if someone puts an offer on it, you're losing out on your on your commission. He says, okay. He gets someone and says, hey, Darwin, there's someone mm. who's really interested. And I learned this as a, in my 20s. The girl signs the contract. The money was due on Monday morning. She comes in and says, I don't have the money. I'll have it for you Wednesday. I immediately said, do not rent them the house. If you rent them the house, I will sue you. I said, take the house off the market. You're not renting to them. And he says, why? I said, if someone can't pay you on Monday when the money's due, they will not pay me the next month. I promise you. Because I've done that where I was, I thought, I, I, I felt, Absolutely. I felt desperate. Feeling desperate is not the same thing as being desperate. desperate. These two things are very different in real yes. estate. Very yeah. different. And we'll go over that in other episodes. And my property manager calls me a week later. And he says, Derwin. Right? No, he calls me three weeks later. He says, the person that was going to rent your house, we we told him no. They put an offer on another house. The owner says yes. The very first payment they're supposed to make once the house is under contract, they did not make. So now you, have, as an owner, have to go through the property mm -hmm. management. I mean, the proper, the eviction process. And that can cost you a lot mm -hmm. of money and a lot of time. Now, thankfully, in the state of Virginia, particularly in Richmond, yeah. you can get someone out within two, three months. I think about three months. I've only done it once in Richmond, but it took me about two, three months. Yeah. But imagine being in California going through that, not understanding that if someone's showing you nonsense on the beginning, and that can be an expensive lesson that takes you a year plus. So I, I learned that the mm -hmm. hard way, so I had to give that uh, that speech. So now that you have a property manager, how, how much do you guys, yeah. um, having that difficulty with the tenant, how much do you guys, does your property manager charge you? How did that, once you had that issue, because I remember when we had our conversation, mm -hmm. you basically had a really, you had an adverse reaction to it. You said, Derwin, I don't want to, I remember you said, I don't remember your exact words, but I remember you said, I don't know how you do it, brother. I don't want to do this again. <laughs> I remember us having a, like an hour long conversation yes. where you were so frustrated by the, uh, by, because you, I think you tried twice to rent it out yourself. And, and I think it was a couple of times you had bad experiences mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you just said, you know what? I think I'm going to be yeah. uh I think I'm going to get a, a professional property manager because also you're not there. So it's harder. So tell me how that shaped you yeah. and tell me how you found your property manager and how they're charging and go from there. Yeah. So, I, you know, we, after we got the, yeah. the first tenant out, uh, we fixed up the property, got the second tenant in again on paper, <laughs> man, great, great tenant. Uh, doesn't really have any employment history, but he sent us a snap. He sent us uh, 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 a, his bank statement, and he got money. And you know, again, we were in. You know, the renovation took uh, the renovation took longer than it thought. So at that point, that we we were blowing through yeah. our reserves. So we were in the process of actually having to carry the home mortgages and stuff on the home ourselves. And and that was one thing that we did do when we when we analyzed purchasing the property anyway. Worst case scenario, can we get a home in a market that is cheap enough so that if we had to carry the mortgage ourselves, it, it might be uncomfortable, but we can do it. And you know, we 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 were in that situation. So we were desperate again. And and even though there were things about this tenant that 
should have been red flags. He was responsive. He had money. He was he paid uh, his, his deposit ahead of time, and, and and so you know we 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 went with that tenant, and you know within months again same situation. Tenant stopped paying. Tenant stopped being responsive, and I I we don't necessarily know what happened, but I think either he had maybe a warrant or something <laughs> on him, and he had to escape town, or he had people coming after him, and he had to escape town because. You know, when we went to check on the property, like he literally, bro, it's a two bedroom house. It's a two bedroom house. Bedrooms on the upstairs, living spaces yeah. on the downstairs. We went and and we met, went through all the processes to 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 legally prove that he had abandoned the property. We went through all the necessary steps to prove that. So at that point, when we made a, 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 our minds, we were going to go down there and we were going to move them out ourselves. Uh, we went into the house. He was only living on the first floor. He had a blow up mattress <laughs> on the first floor. And like he had brought a whole he had brought brand new kitchenware. Like I'm talking about he brought brand new pots and pans, still had the sticker on him. He had a brand new Keurig that was still in the box. And for whatever so it looked like he was setting himself up to be there for a long time, but something happened and he had to get out of town fast. So we evicted him or moved him out that day. And, and so at that point, that's when I had that conversation with you. Like, man, I'm, I'm this is just exhausting on me. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm losing money. Like this house has become a thorn <laughs> in my side. I am ready to sell it and just yeah. get out. And you know, one of the things that you shared with me, and I also have some other uh, uh, real estate investors that um, that attend my church, and we kind of have our own little mastermind group. And, and the one thing that that was all common is that these experiences aren't um, just things that you're having. This is a it's mm-hmm. common experience. Every investor has their own story or stories about tenants and, and things of that nature. But you have to you have to persevere. You have to have the long goal in view and you have to continue to push towards that mark and fight through the adversity. And so we made the decision that in order for us to be able to sustain this for a long term, not only do we have to get people on the ground that work there, but we got we, we, we got to get people who have a good amount of experience, good amount of resources that we can take advantage of. And, and so we did some um, searching for some property managers in the area. Uh, we probably vetted about three different property managers. Again, not putting our eggs in one basket. And, um, you know, we, we got a group that I think was kind of really good. And, and, and not only just kind of good with the resources that they have in place, but we felt like we were a priority to them. Again, small shop. We only have one property. I know that they're probably dealing with other investors that got multi-family mm-hmm. units and multiple I don't want to feel like I, I'm I, because I have this one property that I'm still I'm, I'm 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 not as important as the other people and I didn't I didn't feel that way with with this group um so we we signed a contract with them they charge about what is it uh about nine percent eight eight nine percent of 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 the monthly income, which is something that we expect. We anticipated to be is about that flat 10% or is, it, is that flat Rob or standard. do they charge um, a fee for the first months or anything? First month uh, rent and renewals. No, that's 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 flat. Oh, so they okay. do charge um, they do charge a fee to actually show the property. And then they charge like the, the uh, a fee for like impro- uh, um, uh, 
pre-lease inspection. Um, they charge a fee for that. And then they also require us to have like a $300, um, uh, a $300 uh, pot of money that they can pull from repairs. to do routine maintenance and stuff that needs to be, yeah, maintenance and repairs. Uh, and then anything above $300, they have to have a conversation with me. Let about. me, can I add something in there real um, quick? So, um, so the reason why I asked that question yeah. is property. all property managers are not the same. And here's what I mean. You can have a property manager charge you a flat 10%. So if you have a $1,000 rent and they're charging a flat 10%, you know that every month for 12 months, you're going to pay $100, which ends up being $1,200. However, let's say you have another property manager saying, okay, Derwin, I'm going to charge you 10%, but also 50% of the first month's rent. And then at renewal time, I'll charge you 25%. Mm-hmm. Well, instantly, you know you are above that $1,200. Mm-hmm. You're knocking on damn near $2,000. Well, keep this in mind. The average single family house mm-hmm. probably makes, if you're lucky, $300. You're, and there's, there mm-hmm. will be something that breaks. You're already in the negatives. I guarantee it. You're already in the negatives. So doing that mm-hmm. research, mm-hmm. finding a proper manager who's going to give that service to you that at, you know, at a flat rate, that matters. And keep this in mind. As you accumulate more property you know properties with them you can you have leverage to bring that 10% down so when i had you know nine doors with mm-hmm. them uh, one of my, i think i had i don't know let's call it eight or nine doors with uh, a property manager i was able to take that 10% and bring it down to i think six and a half percent and then they waived all the other fees because i had so many doors mm-hmm. with them so just keep in mind as you have doors you have leverage and also shopping around to see who can give you a better price now granted you want to make sure the service you know comes with that price but that matters because you obviously are in this business to make money. But go ahead, Rob. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right. And, and uh, I think one of the other things that really attracted me to this property managed group too, because I know, I know we want to mm-hmm. buy another property. We're probably going to be in Lynchburg again, um, and we probably want to do another um, 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 forced appreciation project, another value add project. And they also can work in the capacity of property or project manager, which is something I think that I really needed in order to be able to manage a rehab uh, remotely. Um, so that was a, that was another service that they brought to the table. Now, obviously, there's you know fees and stuff that come with that and things that can be negotiated, but just having that service available was something that I think was really important because again. We're, we're, we're trying to think and prepare about mm-hmm. our, our next move, our next How day. far are you guys away? Because I know you guys just had a kid, and I know kids are expensive as hell. I know you guys just closed on your mm-hmm. your second property, but your first in terms of your primary house. And that's mm-hmm. no walk in the park. And what mm-hmm. we're going to do, because we're not an hour, we'll just put your actual uh, your purchasing process for your primary in a different podcast. So we'll just do this again in a couple weeks, if that's okay with you. Because I think these two yeah. things are separate. Um, Absolutely. What are you yeah. guys doing to prepare for your second investment property? Uh, so right now, I mean, for the past three years, we've had one mortgage transaction per year. Um, two homes. One home had two mm-hmm. mortgage transactions, but we literally have had one mortgage transaction per year. Um, and, and, and so right now, currently, we are in a season of rest. Um, and I think it's important because we want to do this long term. And, you know, this might be something that's a little bit uh, atypical yeah. for some investors because, you know, some people just kind of want to. Yeah, I suffer from that. 
Um, and that's fine. But uh, you know, I think, yeah, and and and, and, that, and that's fine. But you know, I think again, in, in our situation too, because again, we just had our, yeah. our son as well. So we're we're in a season of rest. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not still engaged in looking and talking about what that next deal looks like. You know, we're always trying to keep our ear to the ground. And, you know, we're also, at least me, me personally, well, both of us personally are, are working on things that will allow us to um, help in, in, in our real estate investing uh, uh, goals and also, you know, working on things that will allow us to make money outside of, of our W-2 income. Um, so, you know, we're, we're at mm-hmm. rest at the moment in real estate, unless a deal, unless a great deal yeah. pops up, then, you know, we're, 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 we're going to, you know, we're, we're never going to say no when the numbers is right. Right. Um, but we're, we're in a season of rest, but we're also prepping, um, things, um, uh, of personally that, that, that I think is going to be real contributors to us being able to accelerate our real estate, uh, investment ventures. Um, me, myself, I'm, I'm working in the, in the startup, um, and, and kind of getting that off the ground. My wife is going through the process of, of buying into her dental practice. So these are two, um, passive income opportunities, non-W2 income opportunities that we can take and, invest um in 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 additional properties um and just allow us to you know continue to to accelerate that and and improve upon that and with the the four or five hundred dollars you guys are making on your property what do you guys do with that money every month it sits in the sits in the uh, llc Mm -hmm. bank account i mean you know i we we don't pull from it we don't even see it as income it's money that comes in to um, to to take care and s- sustain the property, um, and we'll probably be in that mode for a very long time mm-hmm. until um, you know we we until really until we have um, we'll probably be in that mode for forever. Mm-hmm. Like I, I me and my, we're we're probably not gonna live off of our investments until it's time to retire like yeah. we both like this is our 401k in a sense based off your training experience as a i guess as a novice investor since you're kind of still getting your feet wet wet with one investment property based off your training as a real estate developer an architect people that were in your shoes five seven eight years ago going no they know they have the real estate bug they know they want to do it but they don't see a path to it today, what are you telling them right now? I think it was a, a quote by Will Smith that was like, um, you know, your best future uh, is on the other side of fear. Um, I might I might be uh, uh, misquoting it, but it was to some so to, to that effect to some degree. And I, I really think that is true. I, I think that a, a lot of people who have and I'm talking about myself, who have the desire to 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 jump into real estate. Um, there's a lot of fear that 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 uh, kind of holds you back. I mean, even when I say me and my wife are in a season of rest, it's partly because I'm kind of afraid <laughs> to jump back out there, man. Because it, it's not it's not easy. Um, but I think you have to really uh, push yourself to overcome that. 
Um, and I mean, I remember when I first called our real estate agent and, 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 and wanted to have a conversation with them about, Hey, we're interested in purchasing the property, bro. I was holding the phone in my hand for like 15 <laughs> minutes before I pushed out before I put, cause I was literally afraid, but I wasn't and then at, at that moment. I wasn't necessarily committing to anything. It was just the, it was just taking a mm-hmm. step. And so you, you, you really have to, um, you know, be wise, but you got to really push yourself to get past that 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 initial fear or hesitation, uh, uh, and, and then and then once you get there, like that benchmark of what makes you fearful, it just mm-hmm. continues to increase. And you just got to continue to push it. You got to just continue to push it and continue to push the boundaries. And then even if you don't necessarily have the ability to make a transaction today you can educate yourself. You can you can educate yourself on the market. You can educate yourself on types of financing. You can run dummy deals, dummy deals off of real projects so that you can at least understand the numbers. You can understand um, if I buy a house for X, put down Y, like what's my return? Like you can, you can do all of that to prepare yourself for, for, you know, what's, what's to come. And I think preparation is one of the most important things that you can do to help you overcome fear. Because a lot of times your fear, not because you just don't know what's on the other side, because you're not prepared for it. So I, I think those are some of the, the two of the most important things that you can do today to prepare yourself for um, when the time is right. I think you said that so well. And I think I'll end it with, you know, one of my favorite things about my mom is that she always taught me from the perspective is, hey, there's no debtor's prison. What are they going to do? Throw you in jail if you if you mess up? Um, people always think of, and I think this is honestly because of school, failure, you're always scared of giving it, getting an F in class. But the thing about failing in real life is the lesson mm-hmm. that you get on top of the failure is probably more value more valuable than the F itself. Yeah. Yeah. Preparing is free. There are online calculators. There are realtor.com. Zillow is free. But the thing that I, th- I find that when I talk mm-hmm. to a lot of my friends and other people about real estate is I find that taking that first step is just straight fear. They go, but what if I mess up? And I go, I said, listen, a book will teach you some, mm-hmm. some things that are great, but the only way you learn this business and you learn some really strong lessons, unless you get into it, fail or succeed. That is the only way you do it in a way that's legitimate in the sense that it helps you grow with, grow your business or grow to whatever version of yourself you want to see in the world. And I am grateful for the fact that mm-hmm. I, you know, that I've learned in this business that every day is a new day and you just have to try. If you don't put your foot in it, you won't learn. So I, I always implore people, just try it. Worst thing someone will tell you is you've messed up, you failed. And 99% of the time, you can fix your mistakes. There's, I mean, it's so rare where you're not able to fix your mistakes. It's so rare. So, you know, I, I greatly appreciate your time. Father, husband, investor, architect, friend, real estate developer. My God, you have so many titles, bro. When I grow up and be you. <laughs> Robert Grooms, right. thank you so much, man. Hey, Hey man, I just want to also give you your flowers, man. You are uh, one of the most important friends that I have, not only because of the relationship that we have, um, but man, you, you you are a supporter, you are a fan, and uh, because you're always looking to improve yourself, 
I can't be around you if I'm not looking to improve myself as well. So I'm always being a sponge around you. And I think that uh, whatever this podcast turns out to be, man, uh, I encourage you to keep pushing it because you have uh, a lot to contribute and you have a lot of knowledge to share. And there's so many people that will be able to experience what I've experienced over the past few years, man. You're just, um, you know, you, you pour into those around you, man. And I, I always appreciate that. And I'm a product yes, of man, that. I appreciate Thank it. You. And I feel blessed to be your friend for, I don't know, like 20 years now. Good Lord. It's amazing. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of the very good real estate podcast. We look forward to growing with you on the next episode.